Man, I don't know about you, but 2017 was busy. Y'all know that feeling? Your iPhone, your whatever, your calendars, like you're putting stuff over stuff, and you're, like, I don't know about you, but there's times that we, we, not time, we share a calendar at our house, and so, and sharing that calendar, there's times that I'm putting stuff in, and Becky's putting stuff in, and now Lauren's putting stuff in, and one day Landon will communicate with us, and he'll put stuff in, and so we'll have all these calendars, and there's times that in the same moment, we're all planning different things, and they come across together, and they're like, you know, Becky's purple, I'm green, all this stuff's going through, and it's like this crazy rainbow of things that we're trying to do. Y'all feel like that? And so you're craving margin, and you're wanting to do all these different things, because these things are necessary, they're good, and they're, they're whatever, you need to be doing these things most of the time. But this, this morning, this week's coming ahead, I want us to think about what does it look like for us, maybe as followers of Jesus, to pursue some margin in our life to make room for what really matters. Because we gather here on a Sunday morning and we're saying, this is something we've created space in our calendar. We've created space in our lives because we believe that this might, Sunday morning gathering with other followers of Jesus, this might be something that really matters. But then also, what are some other things in your life that might really matter that you're thinking about your 2018 and you're saying, hey, I need to get to the gym more? Anybody? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's... You know what, I, like, I'm like a commercial for Whataburger, you know what I mean? And so I need to be more commercial for the gym than for Whataburger. So whatever that looks like. So that probably means if I'm going to get up at X a.m., 5 a.m. or whatever to the, get to the gym, that means I probably can't get to bed at midnight, right? Because it's just going to happen. So therefore, you've got to find margin in your schedule, and you've got to pursue those things and think about those things. What are the most valuable and important things? finding margin in your life. And so over the next few weeks, I want us to talk about what are those things that are the most valuable? What does it look like for us? And maybe help us think through that, you know what, sometimes it is difficult to pursue margin and to think about it. But if we begin to say, okay, what are the things that are, that are extremely valuable for us in pursuing Christ, then it will force us to reevaluate our schedules, force us to reevaluate the decisions we make so that then we would pursue margin. Because God says that we need some white space, that we so cram our calendars and stuff that we try to fill everything up that we can't just stop and be still before God. And so we want us to think about these next few weeks and what does it look like possibly to have margin in your life. And the first place I want us to do that is in 1 Timothy chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me there. So to have margin or to not have margin means marginless. So without margin, right? Okay, so that's kind of this is my idea of what it means to to be without margin. It's like showing up to the doctor's office 30 minutes late because you were 20 minutes late getting to the bank because you were 10 minutes late getting the kids to school because you were late getting out of the house by about five minutes because you were explaining things to your kids at a higher-pitched voice than maybe normal to help them, to inspire them, to motivate them. And then you realize as you start the car that you don't have gas in your car, and so you get to the gas station just at about the time that you're supposed to have your kids at school, only to realize you don't have your wallet because your kid took it out the night before and they were looking for lunch money. And so we have all this different stuff. And so that, to me, is what it looks like to live marginless. Anybody have those moments? 
Everybody said, yeah, amen, you're laughing because you're like, that's, that's my life. It was a matter of fact, that was probably your life today, getting to church, because it seems like sometimes getting to church is the most difficult thing, and maybe the most unspiritual hour of the day is the hour before you get your church, your kids and your family to church. You're like, we're going to go worship Jesus. Come on. Right? Because nobody sets out their clothes the night before, before church. Nobody thinks about what you're going to get. And you don't realize that everybody in LaGrange is going to go to the donut house to get sausages and donuts because the taco shack is closed on Sundays. Right? So you got all that stuff. And so you don't think about the margin of life. As a matter of fact, we're so marginless that even the book titles that we're looking at nowadays are selling us on how we need quick fixes. You know, you've thought about over the years the quick fix diets. You know, hey, if you eat cabbage for 30 days, you're going to lose 30 pounds. Anybody tried that? Don't raise your hand. If you've had um, the, the grapefruit diet, if you eat grapefruit at every meal, it's just going to burn it off of you. And then you realize you got really bad breath after the third day. So you don't, you've lost 30 friends, but not 30 pounds. And so you got all these little quick fixes that we pursue. And so even some of the new book titles is, is 10 minutes to a healthy marriage. Listen. If that's all it took, Dr. Phil would be out of business. It takes more than 10 minutes. Okay, maybe not. Maybe yours is great and awesome and you don't need that. So 10 minutes to a healthier marriage, uh, 15 minutes to happiness. Everybody got So 15 minutes from now, I've told you about this, 15 minutes, you're going to walk out of here and you're going to be happy. That sound good? All right. Five minutes to being a millionaire. Sign me up. I'll give you five minutes if I can walk out and be a millionaire. We, we, we pursue quick fixes. Why? Because we want something more. We want better. We want better for ourselves, for our kids. And so we pursue that. And generally what we do in that way in 2018 is we look about, hey, we want to do these different things. We think about adding to our life and putting more things in our schedule instead of pulling some things out of our schedule and pulling some things out of our life. And what really should be happening as we think about all these new things that, that are good things, right, is thinking about those things and saying, okay, God, I'm going to submit these things to you, one that I already do, hopefully, but the things for 2018 that I sense that maybe you're leading me to is that maybe I also need to look at the whole of my life and the whole of my calendar and saying, hey, there's some things that once were of benefit and once were of growth that maybe aren't still of the same value and worth, and I need to pull those things out so that I can put the new things in. It's this idea of transformation and moving forward. And so as we look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul is an older man, is talking to a younger pastor, Timothy, and he's saying, hey, listen, you're, you're, you're going to constantly be growing as a pastor. You want to be personally growing and, 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 and leading your church, and to be able to do that, you personally have to grow. You continually have to learn as a leader. And so here Paul is talking to Timothy, and he tells him a few things, some wise things about what it looks like as you begin a new year to begin to move forward with your life. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4, looking at verse 7. It says this, Do not waste time over arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. In other words, some of you are thinking about going to Barnes & Noble or going to the bookstore or Amazon and downloading 10 minutes to be a millionaire, aren't you? You're thinking, that's a good title. I think I can figure this out. And you're thinking about some quick fixes. Leave those things alone. 
There are no quick fixes. I can save you fifteen ninety nine if you want to. I'll be in the back back here, and you can write out checks. You can give. I have a little PayPal thing. You can do that, and you can give me sixteen ninety nine. And I will tell you, there are no quick fixes. Anytime you want to change, it will be uncomfortable. It will hurt, and it will take time, and it will cost you. So I'm willing to receive the cost, the beginning cost for you of sixteen ninety nine. You can leave that in the back. Have nothing to do with godless myths or old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. That word train, if you write in your Bibles, you can underline it, circle it. That word train literally is gymnasium. Go to the gymnasium of spiritual fitness to train yourself to be godly. For physical training, again, the same word, but gymnasium, as far as physical fitness, for physical training, the gymnasium is of some value. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So in other words, what Paul is telling Timothy is, hey, listen, it's good for you, Timothy, to go to the gym. You should pursue going to the gym because that's good for you. However, it's even more important for you to set aside some time and put margin in your life because training yourself in the gym of spiritual fitness isn't just for today, for the fullness of life now, but also for training for and preparation for what home is. Because for us as followers of Jesus, is isn't just about here. This is preparation for there, right? There is being in heaven at the foot of Jesus, worshiping, and that the songs that we're doing here may or may not be in heaven, but we're worshiping, we're giving God worth, and we're giving him value, and we're preparing ourselves for an eternity of saying, God, you are God and I am not. You are holy, holies. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. And looking at the Lamb of God and, and recognizing fully that we're in the presence of holiness and that everything about this is preparation for that. And so that this idea of going to the gym and preparing yourself for that, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Train yourself. Here's what that means. You are responsible for your own faith. You are responsible for your own faith. Now listen, when you come here on a Sunday, you listen to me, you get to hear whoever's preaching, you get to hear something, and we're opening up the Word of God and we're exposing God's truth to you and we're, we're sharing some insight from God's Word from our study and we're giving that to you and you're to take that and receive that and Hopefully God uses that and begins this transformation process. But part of that is ownership of you, one, being here, okay? But then also on Monday, Chris isn't going to be there. Chris is going to be at his house. And I'm going to be opening up my Bible, and I'm going to be studying and preparing and, and seeking after and understanding because I'm responsible for my faith as a priest. As the Word says, you are. Are As a follower of Jesus, you are a priest and you are responsible for your own faith. So on Monday, you are to go to the bread of life and to eat and to sup from it. You're responsible to train yourself. Tomorrow morning, one of my goals for 2018 is to get to the gym more often. Okay? Sounds like a good goal. At 5 o'clock in the morning or whenever my alarm clock goes off, I've got to make that decision to get there, to train yourself to get there. Monday is probably going to be the easiest day, isn't it? Tuesday is going to be a little bit harder. Wednesday is going to be a little bit harder because I'm going to be tired and my muscles might hurt. They might be sore. 
All right, so that's the easiest day. How many of you have ever gone from point A to point B in a vehicle and you remember leaving point A and you recognize that you've arrived at point B, but you don't remember how you got from point A to point B? Was that confusing for you? So you got left work and you arrived at home and you don't remember how you got there. You just know that you're there. You know that? Okay, that is what our brain does. When you do something over and over and over again, you develop a habit. And so what researchers are telling us is that when we do something over and over and over again, we create a super highway for our habits. And so that you can do something over and over, and then one day you'll wake up and you won't even remember doing it. You're just doing it. And so that for some of us, we're here at 2018 and we're saying, hey, we want to train ourselves and we've got these lists of things. And so for me, one of those things is going to the gym. And so at 5 o'clock tomorrow, may or may not, I don't, none of you show up at the gym at 5 o'clock because that may not be my time, okay? <clears throat> but at 5 o'clock tomorrow, when I wake up, what do I need to do to create this new habit? I have to do some things different. Because currently my habit is when the alarm clock goes off, bam, right? I've counted the cost and it ain't worth it, Okay? So now I'm saying, hey, I've got a new habit. I want to make it get to this place, and so I've got to do something so different. So now I put the alarm clock somewhere else across the room, and then I lay my shorts, my shirt, my shoes, my socks, that they're, they're there. They're ready. I may even dress ready to go to the gym, okay, minus my shoes. Maybe even put my shoes on. And so you're thinking, what is it going to take me to train myself to own the fact that I want to go to the gym? Because listen, if I tell my wife that I'm going to the gym at 5 o'clock and that alarm gets, goes off and I get up and go over there and hit it, the amount of time it's going to take me to get there, and then I think that I'm going to hop back into bed, it ain't happening because the pain of which she will enforce herself upon me for waking her up will be much greater than the pain I will feel lifting weights and working out. So, okay? so I mean, you're counting the cost of this training yourself and owning it. Train yourself. Why? With a view, okay, with a view to be godly. So as we look at our 2018, we look back over 2017 and we say, hey, listen, we made some mistakes. We didn't do some of the things we, we desire to do. We didn't spend as much time with maybe with our spouse or with our kids. Maybe we didn't go to our life group or maybe we didn't get in a life group or maybe we didn't give as much. Whatever those markers are that God's been working on your heart and your life and you're thinking about 2018 with, as the passage here says, train yourself to be godly, train yourself with a view to be godly. In other words, as you pursue God, you're, you've got this view, you've got these blinders, and you're moving in this direction. Because we understand as, as children of God that as we've grown in him, that there's this transformation that's been happening, and we see difference in us, our appetites are changing, our, the way that we see things in the world are changing. And so with that view of, hey, God, if I continue to do these things and train myself with a view toward godliness, is that you're going to transform me, you're going to be working in me. Right, Because we understand that, hey, it's not just enough to go to the gym, but there's also this transformation that takes place. If I go to the gym and I still go to Whataburger three times a day, guess who's winning? Whataburger. Right? I'm going to look like a W, not a V-shape. I'm not going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm going to be rolling around like a W, okay? And so you've got to, with the view to be godly, you're training yourself, and you have to change the way that you eat, the way that you do things so that you can be different. Train yourself to be godly with a view toward being different. How do we do that? The first thing is that we 
make a commitment. You make a commitment. Tomorrow, I am committed. I'm professing before you. Tomorrow, I am committed to get up earlier and to arrive at the gym. I'm committed to do that. One of the ways that helps is I can tell my wife and my kids, hey, tomorrow I'm committing to New Year, a new me. I'm committing that to you, you tell me. And so that there, therefore there's accountability and this is a commitment. So as soon as the alarm clock goes off and it's going to wake up Becky and she's going to be annoyed by it, she's going to push and shove me. That's her part of accountability. It's push and shove, right? And sometimes we need that. We need a push and a shove. And that's the beauty of true friendships is that in the messiness they can push and shove and say, listen, you've committed to this and I'm behind you and I'm supporting you and get on it. The commitment. We count the costs and get to the commitment of training yourself to be godly because we want transformation. We want change. It requires something from us, this commitment to moving forward. David even tells us in Psalm chapter 63, verse 1, he says, Earnestly I seek after you. My soul thirsts for you. Have you ever been to this place where you're so, you've been working out, you've been outside in the heat, you've been doing something, and you get to this place where you are beyond thirsty? And you just like, your mouth is dry and you're seeking after something to drink. And this is the idea here of what David is saying. He said, listen, earnestly I seek after you and pursue you so that my soul is thirsting after you. That you get to the source of water and you're lapping it up and you cannot get enough. It's just, you want more, you want more. The more that you get, the more refreshing it is, the more you want of it. And that's what David is saying is, listen, the commitment to seek after and pursue after. And then when you get it, you just get enough and you're wanting more and more. Because something that tastes good, you want more of it. And you begin to tell others, hey, this is good stuff. Come with me to the well and drink deep with me. Earnestly seek after me. In Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen, he says, you will seek me and you will find me if you seek hard after me, if you seek after me with everything in your heart. And in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, make every effort to be holy. Now listen, great athletes make a lot of effort. We're about to have the Winter Olympics coming up, and as we watch the Winter Olympics, there's always these stories, an athlete who has won a gold or won 10 goals or whatever, and so they have this behind the story, behind the scenes, and one of the things that we learn a lot of times about these athletes is that they've made every single effort possible to get to this place, the sacrifices they've made and everything that it's taken them to get there, and so that they're up literally maybe at 2 o'clock in the morning, and they put in a, a full day of workouts and of training before our day even goes, and then they go to work, and then they spend time with their wife and kids, and then they go work out again, and they've made every single effort to get to that place. And what does it look like for us as followers of Christ to count the costs and have the commitment to make every single effort to receive and to be and to go and to do what God wants for us? First, Second Peter 1, 5 through 7 says it this way, make every effort to add to your faith godliness, to continue to grow and to move, the commitment and understanding that, hey, listen, Monday is going to be easy, but Wednesday is not. It's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to hurt and there's going to be some pain. But count the cost and continue to pursue. Make every effort to keep moving forward. The next thing about just not commitment but also is coaching. Every great athlete makes it to the highest standards of excellence with a great coach. So as to be coachable, what it means for us is to be, one, to be coachable is it mean we have to be humble. That no matter what status 
of athletic achievement we reach is that we always have to be humble because a coach has to speak into our lives. And when they speak into our lives and we're not humble, then we're no longer coachable and we'll begin to not continue to grow but continue to die. And so that a great athlete is coachable and so they're humble and they're able to receive correction. And so that even the greatest athletes, the greatest players of whatever sport or whatever, they continue to have a coach that can speak truth to them because sometimes they may, the be, may, they, they may be the best athlete that they can possibly be in that moment, but a coach sees something that if they just make this little change or this little adaptation to what they're doing, it can make them even that much better. And if you're the greatest athlete in the world, it's really easy. I'm not, I don't know that deal, okay, but I'm just assuming and what I've been told and read is that sometimes... You are on the pinnacle of, of the world, and everything is perfect, and no one can beat you. And then someone says to you, do you want to be better? Do you want to be the greatest? Do you want to take a little bit step forward? And it's human nature is, I'm already the best. I'm already better than everyone else. Why would I want to continue to grow? Whereas for us as followers of Jesus, we've never arrived. You may look around and think, man, at least I don't have those problems, right? And God's saying, yeah, but I've done a little check of your heart, and you ain't arrived. You've got some work to do. And for us to remain coachable and to continue to grow and to continue to move and, and to know that to be coachable means whenever a coach Whenever the Holy Spirit speaks into us, that that means that there may be a slight alteration, a one-degree change, but that one-degree change of the way that you run, the way that you walk, the way that you shoot a basket, the way that you do X will hurt and cause uncomfortable feelings, and it will not be what you normally do. And through that uncomfortableness, there is growth. And for us to count the cost and the commitment and to be coachable, Paul says it to this, like this in Timothy, 2 Timothy 3:16. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness. In other words, for us to remain coachable means that we continue to come to the Word of God in every single moment say, God, teach me. What is the new things that you have for me? What are the, the new things that maybe I've read this passage before and I've never have seen it this way again? God, continue, allow me to be humble. Allow me to continue to grow. Coach me, speak deep to me, teach me. And in those moments, God, there's going to be times where you need to rebuke me and you need to correct me. And listen, there are those things. Have you ever had that moment wherever you've had to discipline your child and the thing that you're saying is what your parents said to you and you didn't understand it is that it hurts me more as your parent to discipline you in this moment than I think that it hurts you. And I know the saying has to be true for the father is that those moments where he's correcting and disciplining us and doing what is necessary to rebuke and to correct, it hurts him maybe even more than it does us, but he knows that those moments of uncomfortableness are life-giving. And he knows that he may have to do it several times because he wants to train us in the ways of rightness and of righteousness. Because he's more concerned not about today, but he's more concerned about tomorrow in our future. Because it's not just about life here, but it's about life eternal. The correction, the rebuking, the teaching, the training in rightness. The commitment and the coaching, what it takes. But it also takes practice day after day after day after day. 
I know I've told you this before, but there was one time where we were in a store together, and it was Becky and myself, and she was on one side of the store, and I was on the other side of the store, and um, it was before cell phones. Do you remember those things, that phones used to be attached to the wall? Okay. And so it was before we actually had a cell phone, and um, she wanted to get a hold of me on the other side of the store, and it's not kosher to just yell, Hey, Chris! Across the store. Now, sometimes it feels like it in Walmart that you can do that, but you can't. You're not supposed to do that. And so she had this little deal, and so she was like, psst. And she was going around the store going, psst, psst, psst. And finally I was like, man, that sounds like Becky. Like, she got a leak or what's going on? Psst. And so finally, and so that just became like you could hear it above all the other noise. It was the one thing that just like it spoke to me in that moment. And now listen, she's practiced a lot over the years. Psst. And so now we've practiced so much, she can do it and I can hear it. It doesn't matter. There's like one or two occasions, like cowboys or something like that, that it's, it's a little bit harder to break through that barrier. But it's, it's there. And there's, there's times that the kids and I are doing stuff and we're like, hey, we're having way too much mom, fun. Mom can continue to do what she's doing. But there's practice over and over and her speaking and me listening. And now guess what? The kids, psst. And now all of us, it could be all over the store and we're all going, psst, psst, psst. It's like this homing thing. And they're thinking, man, what's, but the tire store is like getting ready to explode. But through practice, we're able to hear and listen. The same is true for us. If you want to grow closer, if you want to have a more intimate knowledge, if you want to have a more intimate relationship, you need to practice listening to the voice and listening for the voice of the Father. Because amidst the craziness, the busyness of our lives and of our culture and of our schedules and of everything going on, it's real easy for us to do this. Because listen, tomorrow, moms and dads, your Suburbans, your cars, your trucks, the schedule starts. You go from 8 to 3, from 3 to 5, from 5 to 7, from 7 to 9, and somewhere in there you got about five and a half minutes to get to Sonic. And you know Sonic's not going to serve you fast enough. So, you gotta, so you're trying to find all these different things, and so you're finding Sonic from three weeks ago to get you your tater tots. And so you're trying to figure all this different stuff out, and you're thinking, I just want more time. And in the busyness of this, is it any wonder that through all the noise and through all the clutter, that God's talking to us and we can't hear him. And God's saying, my child. And we're like, God, would you just talk to me? He's like, and for whatever reason, we've gotten out of practice. We haven't spent as much time in here, so we don't hear the things that we're so busy, we're listening to so many other things we don't run to hear anymore because for whatever reason, maybe we're not trusting in Him. We're not fully pursuing trusting after and being obedient. And so, because we just, we got so much to do in so little time. So I just want to challenge you. Make a commitment. Be coachable. And practice day after day of setting yourself before the Father and saying, listen, speak to me. Open up the word and say, God, just speak to me. For you to want that, you're going to have to create some margin. So tomorrow, if this is your desire, maybe that means getting up 10 minutes early. 
and setting your Bible over by the alarm clock or setting your coffee cup or setting your alarm for your coffee to go over earlier or whatever it is that gets you moving and just going and saying, listen, I want to create a super highway of a habit that I know that the moment that I get up that I have room in my life for what really matters. And that's the pursuit of my relationship with my Father. Because I want to know Him more intimately, more passionately. I want to know the depths of His love for me. I want to know how deep and how wide and how vast His love is for me. And the only way that I can do that is pursue it and to jump into the depths of it. And to say, God, I don't fully understand it. I don't know where you're taking me. I don't know what's going to happen. But I trust you because I've counted time and time again that you've been faithful. Here I go and jump in. Let's pray together. Hey, Father, we all have busy, crazy lives. And I know I've even retired people have said it picks up. I can't even imagine. Father, we... We confess here so many times that busyness is because we're afraid if we stop and truly reflect, we're not going to like what we see. That the mirror of your word that reflects back to us is not what we would like to see. So, Father, I just pray over this room that 2018 is a year where we just look at the goals that we've set before us. And, Father, if we haven't submitted those goals and resolutions and plans to you, that maybe today's that day. Father, we just bring them to the altar. We just, in our place where we're at, we just get on our face and our knees before you and say, God, I I have plans for 2018. But let me step back and say, what are your plans? Father, show me in my schedule, in my calendar, where I can get rid of some things that are good, but maybe we can replace them with something or with nothing so that I can have margin to pursue you. For Father, I know that our hearts and desires, I believe the hearts and desires of those that are here today and that are followers of you are to to know you and to grow closer to you. But Father, we're we're just overwhelmed with all the other voices and with all the things to accomplish. So Father, may we just set all that stuff aside and say, Father, I want to be known. I want to have a legacy for knowing and pursuing you. And then I leave a wake behind me of influence of saying, this is a man, this is a woman after God's own heart. And that they pursued God with an abandonment. That all the other people in the world were looking at them and saying, they 
know Jesus. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.